Welcome to the Defunk Podcast. Today, I'll be reading to you a blog post that I wrote called We the People, Free Speech, Science, and Heresy in Modern America. I'll be sharing my zoomed-out analysis of the Joe Rogan and Spotify controversy and my opinions on how to proceed moving forward. Before I dive in, I'd like you all to know that this article represents my current synthesis of thoughts on the matter. Based on information that I have consumed and conversations that I have participated in prior to writing. While I've done my absolute best to avoid bias, it's impossible to achieve perfect objectivity. And while I'm sharing my honest opinion, I do not necessarily identify with this opinion. Because I plan to continue learning and sourcing a wider range of information as this whole drama unfolds. As new information enters my brain, it will likely change some of my current opinions. I love when that happens. It's healthy. It's the way of science. It's how we learn and how we evolve. So if you don't agree with something I write here, I'd seriously love to hear your thoughts, to learn from you, and to become more knowledgeable today than I was yesterday. Now let's dive in. The right to speak freely stands at the forefront of America's foundational principles, ranking as the First Amendment to the Constitution which reads, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Seems simple enough. So what exactly is driving this fierce controversy around a concept so seemingly straightforward as free speech? Let's start with a phrase that all Americans seem to agree on. I am entitled to express my own opinions freely. Given that we all desire to live in a country where we can express our own thoughts freely, where exactly does the opinion of the American people diverge? Many American citizens feel that society would benefit from moderation or censorship of certain content on certain platforms. There appears to be a strong social pressure to limit the expression of people with opinions that differ from our own particularly opinions on the COVID pandemic that diverge from the current scientific consensus. For reasons that you might not expect, I'd like to argue against the sensorial strategy, placing the onus on the individual American rather than the American government and or media corporations. There is already plenty of literature criticizing these institutions. You don't need to hear my reiteration of these points. So you might expect that I'm going to cite the First Amendment in my argument against censorship and deplatforming on social media. But it's not necessarily unconstitutional for private corporations to regulate information. You might be thinking, of course it's unconstitutional for social media platforms to censor content. We live in a democracy that promises free speech to its citizens, right? Well, while the First Amendment states that Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech or of the press... This amendment does not prohibit private corporations, for example, Facebook, Instagram, CNN, Fox, etc., from moderating content as they see fit. And I mean, what's the alternative, really? Would you rather task the United States government with controlling how these companies regulate or don't regulate information, censoring their censorship? If so, you'd indirectly argue that we should revise the First Amendment which prohibits the U.S. government from constraining the freedom of the press, which includes news and social media platforms. The rude reality is that news outlets have biased, sensationalized, and skewed information throughout all of human history. 
As humans, we are inherently biased, and the media is run by humans, just like you and me. Therefore, the media is intrinsically biased. For this reason, we stand to benefit from consuming a wide variety of media sources. Exposing ourselves to an array of diverse opinions actually reduces our bias, allowing us to think freely and decide for ourselves where we believe the truth lies. Listening to a diversity of opinions in the media and public discourse serves as a hedge against bias. In a free market economy, sources of news and public discourse theoretically regulate themselves. Supply meets demand where it's at. Therefore, if a majority of Facebook users, which also happens to be the majority of Americans, or 71% of Americans, call for the regulation of non-mainstream information around a global pandemic, then Facebook will respond to these pressures of this demand by censoring certain people with certain opinions. And if companies like Facebook fail to comply with the demands of the majority, then they risk losing their clientele to competition that does decide to comply. Facebook is merely giving we the people what we want. So instead of criticizing Facebook, and there is plenty to criticize, don't get me wrong, let's take some responsibility as the people whom Facebook is catering to. Perhaps there are also flaws within us as individuals that are contributing to this problem that we perceive to be entirely external. There are alternatives to America's free market democratic structure. Examples include totalitarian regimes and theocracies. Let's consider the Inquisition in the Catholic Church, a particularly massive theocracy back in the day. During the Inquisition, authorities of the Catholic Church claimed exclusive access to absolute truth, condemning deniers of this truth as heretics. Oftentimes, church officials imprisoned and brutally tortured heretics for spreading quote-unquote misinformation. The church rationalized their inhumane chastisements, claiming that heretics were dangerous to society and spreading false information. Let me ask you something. Do you believe that the sun, and the entire universe for that matter, revolves around the earth? If not, then you're very lucky to be living in the 21st century America. Because if you were living in the 17th century in a country ruled by the Catholic Church, and you publicly stated that the earth revolved around the sun then you would be considered a heretic and thereby subject to imprisonment and or torture. Galileo Galilei, 17th century Italian astrophysicist, ran into this exact issue. He was a smart dude, perhaps too smart for his time, speaking and writing in support of the Copernican heliocentric model of our solar system. Today, we know that the Earth revolves around the sun, but in the 1630s, publicly holding this stance in Italy, which was controlled by the Catholic Church, landed Galileo a lifelong house arrest and banned from sharing his brilliant thoughts with the public. He was deplatformed for expressing what we now know to be the truth. The Catholic Church was, in some ways still is, extremely dogmatic. The Church did not officially update its stance on the matter until 1992, waiting 300 plus years to get over their egocentric, non-heliocentric perspective and catch up with science. The rigidity of the Catholic Church was driven by their rejection of new information that opposed their previous belief system, simultaneously threatening their ego and power. So how are we doing in the 21st century? Most modern humans source their opinions and models of the world from scientific research. Turning from ancient scripture and dogma to the scientific method has evolved society and technology at exponential rates in recent centuries. However, science has become infected with bias and dogma as well particularly in recent years. When we equate scientific findings with eternal, absolute truths, we turn this objective lens through which we can discover more about reality into a religious and dogmatic weapon. 
Science is not a static truth that can be proclaimed from a pulpit. Rather, it's a fascinatingly beautiful ongoing process, a tool with which we can dissect and contemplate the nature of the world around us and within us. Science is a dynamic and never-ending process of seeking objective truth and eradicating subjectivity. There is no such thing as an absolute or eternal truth in science. Science thrives on skepticism and dies with dogma. Science thrives when the status quo is challenged, just like when Copernicus questioned whether the Earth was the actual center of the universe. When public health officials claim to hold exclusive access to scientific truth, and dissenters against this truth are deplatformed for sharing their honest interpretation of scientific data, I began to question how much we have truly evolved as a society since the times of Galileo's Italy. Similar to the scientific leaders of the 21st century, the leaders of the 17th century Catholic Church claimed access to absolute truth, deplatforming, and even punishing those who questioned their stance. And they rationalized this, just like our current leaders, claiming that dissenters were dangerous threats to society. Roughly 400 years later, in a democracy across the Atlantic, with separation of church and state, have we really evolved past our dogmatic tendencies? Or is our embrace of the scientific lens merely an illusion? Yes, we now base our policies and decisions on scientific research. And this surely beats basing our decisions on scripture that has undergone thousands of years of revisions and translations. However, science in its purest form is a perpetually pending process. Today, as scientists around the world continue researching, a few previous quote-unquote truths about the COVID pandemic have been overturned and or adjusted. Before they were overturned, many people, including truth-seeking doctors and PhDs who spoke out against these previously true proclamations, were censored or deplatformed. As the time passes and more research is performed, scientists will continue to test their current hypotheses, and they will inevitably continue to disprove and update their theories. There will also be disagreements in the scientific community, a wide range of valid interpretations of experimental results and data. This is just the way it goes in the realm of science. This is how we learn, make scientific discoveries, and evolve our perspectives. So if we truly want to embrace science, it's best to maintain an open mind. It's best to realize that our knowledge will always be evolving as more opportunities for research are seized. I'm not advocating that we throw the baby out with the bathwater and reject the advice of public health officials like Dr. Anthony Fauci. I recognize that he is more of an expert on viral pandemics than I am, and I am grateful to him and his colleagues for serving as experts and leaders. I give them the benefit of the doubt, trusting that they are doing their best to reduce harm and death with the most cutting-edge research they have access to. But they are not gods, and we should not treat them as infallible papal authorities. Because even the most cutting-edge science of today is not absolute truth. There are super smart humans out there, but no human accesses absolute truth. All we need to do is imagine ourselves in the future, 100 years from now, and then look back on this time, imagining how silly even the smartest among us must seem with what we perceive to be our groundbreaking, advanced, scientific theories and technologies. So much what we believe and quote-unquote know today will be uprooted and revised in coming years. Perhaps keeping this in mind will help us to become a bit more humble and a bit more hesitant to claim to know anything with absolute certainty. And perhaps we will think twice before condemning and deplatforming the quote-unquote heretics among us. And perhaps we will recognize that when it comes to scientific, political, and social discourse, we stand to benefit and learn from the inclusion of diverse opinions and perspectives.
While we live in a huge country with a vast population, we are not powerless. Fortunately, we live in a democracy and maintain the right to vote and to speak freely. We collectively decide who runs our country. We collectively decide on legislation and the optimal size and power of our government. We collectively influence corporations in a free market economy, exercising the power of each dollar we spend to demand a high ethical standard for private organizations. We collectively influence social media platforms by supporting or condemning the right to express opinions that we do not currently agree with. We collectively choose to leverage science as an inclusive tool or a hierarchical religion. We collectively have the choice to further polarize or to unite American citizens through the content we engage with and produce. We collectively have the ability to boycott or support the free expression of speech. We, the people, are responsible, at least partially, for the current state of affairs in our country. Let's embrace this responsibility that accompanies the power of each individual in a democracy. With our ballots, our wallets, and our attention, we have the responsibility to embody the principles and policies that we desire. No matter what we as individuals desire, I promise that this strategy will prove less divisive and more effective in shaping the optimal future for the American collective. Thank you so much for listening to my current yet evolving perspective today. If you found this podcast to be interesting and you'd like to follow more of my content, you can find me over at Defunk Blog on Substack. I'll be posting blogs and or podcasts just about every day. So come check it out. And don't forget to subscribe. All right. Thanks, y'all.